And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rooted in Logos podcast. <laughs> episode 13. Should we skip episode 13 just because it's like an unlucky number or something? Should we no just... No such thing as luck. Should we just skip it? No. Episode 12 and a half? No. 12.5? What if 13 is one of our listeners' favorite numbers? And they were so excited. Oh. Well, shout out to number 13. <laughs> number 13. Episode 13. Woohoo! How's everyone's week going, guys? Yeah, maybe maybe we should, you know... <sighs> a lot of working. Get some emails and get some... Oh, wait. You were talking to us. I thought you were talking about... Yeah, talking our, to you all. Our viewers. No. Oh, talking to you. We don't have viewers. We don't... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so early in the morning. I'm just a little Failures. cantankerous. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. Well, Carter's working a lot. I'm working the same amount I always work. I'm, I'm assuming Austin is as well, so... Just about. Staying busy. Staying busy. Yeah. So, want to start off, uh, we have a review that we got a couple days ago that I just completely missed, so I apologize, but we do want to shout out this review from Yogo Latha. From Yogo Latha, gave us a five-star review. Uh, this person said, my fiance and I have been enjoying this podcast since episode one. It is amazing to hear men of faith speaking out and standing up. We started calling it the ABC pod after noticing your first initials are A, B, and C. Keep up the great work. So, well, thank you. That's Thank awesome. you for that review. That is amazing. Um, we greatly appreciate the support. Feel free to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review because we need it. There's a second review that you didn't just read. That's true. Would you like to read it? It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> I know I Share it, bro. Share, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I just said I'm having an amazing time doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. There you, there you go. Wait, do we have to get on? Like, I don't have Apple, so I you don't have Apple. You could review us on Spotify as well because okay, that cool. Cool, cool, cool. helps a little bit. Can. can you not? No. Oh, maybe no, it doesn't. There's no review feature on it. All right. Wow. I take that cool. completely back. Oh, well. You're just not allowed to review. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Apple you... users, please review because it does give us. <laughs> Puts us up the charts and, and gives us more exposure. And we will read your reviews on here if they're nice to us. And uh, maybe if they're not nice to just for kicks and giggles, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. But uh, we will shout you out if you shout us out. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, this week, today, we're going to start on Romans chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And we are very excited to dive into this. It is a very thick, dense Rheologically, rheologically, rheologically. What is that word? It's real. <laughs> what in the world was that word? Theologically rich. Yeah, book. There, there's a lot in here. There's a lot in here. A lot in chapter one. Uh, we are gonna do a bird's eye view of chapter one, and, and probably a bird's eye view of a lot of these. But when we get into some of the th- more dense passages, what we might camp out on a couple passages for a week or so. We'll take breaks. We won't. Uh, go through the entire book of Romans in one <laughs> one felt swoop. So well, yeah, every Tuesday we won't be doing Romans. We might take a break every couple weeks or so. Get into a topic dependent on if you guys you know message us on a topic you want us to do. Yeah, that would be good because leaving be cool. us to our own devices, we'll just do whatever we want. Oh, uh, we'll do whatever we want. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, literally. Okay. All right. So Romans one. Romans one. Let's get rolling, Carter. Got some history on kind of the overview, the the, the little background. Bunch. I knew Austin would get it, so I didn't get a whole lot. <laughs> but I did just get a new Bible since Brad seemed to have like lost mine. It's definitely, you just ate it or something. I don't know what you did with it. <laughs> it's just so gone. I, I got it, and at the beginning of each book, it says like the author, when it was written, not like an exact date because we don't have an exact date for all of them, but when it was like supposed to have been written... And then it gives like a paragraph saying just the content of what is in this uh, book that you're about to read. So I wrote that it was written around AD 57. And in this time around the empire of Rome, uh, they just had a new emperor named Nero. And he, Christians were heavily persecuted during this time. And he, I forgot the name of it, I didn't write it down, but he led like the first, it was like the first organized persecution of like a bunch of Christians all at once. Um, and at this time, Christianity was starting to spread through this paganistic empire, which is really good to see. Did did he utilize the Colosseum? Was he one one of the ones that started that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. 
you know, it'd be really cool if we had this handy dandy device in our pockets that could just answer literally any question that we had. Because Google's always right. Google is always right. Tell you what. No, CNN's always right. Oh. 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 Yeah. (laughs) So I'll tell you what, you look that up and I have a little bit more just on the book of Romans and I have a little bit of background on Paul himself. So I'll, I'll go through that. So Romans, history background, the author of Romans is God, okay? God's, God's spoken word through the apostle Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name, where Paul was his Greek name. Saul, he was named after, again, King Saul from the Old Testament, the first king of Israel. Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee, the strictest Jewish sect He spent his whole life dedicated to the study of the law. A Roman citizen writing to the Romans. That would have had more weight coming from Paul than any of the other apostles. Since he was a Roman citizen, he had a little bit more pull with them. So Paul wrote this letter from Corinth. Going through Romans, he mentions kind of a few things that lead to that assumption. So Paul writing this from Corinth to the Romans... In chapter 16, it mentions the port of Sincrea, which would have been in Corinth at the time. And the people associated throughout Romans, he talks about Phoebe, uh, Restus, Gaius. They were people that were also associated with being in Corinth. Paul wrote this letter towards the end of his third missionary journey. As he prepared to leave for Palestine, for an offering for the poor believers in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church. That can be found found in Romans chapter 15, verse 25. Phoebe, noted in Romans, was charged with taking the letter to the Roman church. Paul wrote to the Roman church to teach the great truths of the gospel of grace to believers who had never received apostolic instruction. The Roman church was doctrinally sound, but like all churches, it was in need of the rich doctrinal and practical instruction of the letter. So the overarching theme of Romans is the righteousness that comes from God, the glorious truth that God justifies guilty, condemned sinners by grace alone through faith, Christ alone. So chapters 1 through 11 present the theological truths of that doctrine. Chapters 12 through 16 detail the practical outworking in the lives of the individual believers and the life of the whole church. So kind of a little bit of overview of Romans, a little bit of history on on Paul to kind of set us up for diving into the book. And I did want to say that I found that, um, not what we were trying to find, but (laughs) something else. Um, The Emperor Nero at the time was 16 years old when he became emperor. And he didn't start persecuting Christians until, what was it, 64 AD, so about seven years later. But still, it was a, it was around the same time, and they were getting pretty heavily uh, persecuted in Rome. Well, and, and according to a quick search of the interwebs, uh, Nero would, uh, brutal, he was brutal. He would, he would have Christians torn apart by dogs. Uh, he would... Uh, crucify him, drown him, and then he would set him on fire. And and sometimes he would do it to illuminate the city uh, for lighting on the streets. He would also set them on fire to light his parties and, and to uh, provide the ability to see during some of his uh, escapades, so to speak, because he was wow. a very wildly immoral uh, human being. Wow. Um, so just a stand-up guy, that Nero. And so Paul was writing to... The Romans during this time, and and, and talk it, about bold. Talk about bold because you, you would think in this you know, you read through Romans and, and Paul doesn't hold any punches. He doesn't pull any punches when he talks about you know unrighteousness and 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 making sure that we're not under the law, making sure we're under grace. And he gets it's very convicting. You would think during this time, someone at least, especially in our modern day church would write a very encouraging letter, would write a very soft and just kind of delicate, like, you guys are going through a lot right now. Let's not add any any uh, any bricks to your load, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. to speak. But yeah. 
Uh, he did. <laughs> and and I think that just shows how important theology is, how important understanding grace is. And uh, well, it's... And we've read before talking about presenting truth to people in love, right? We're supposed to talk to people in love. Well, read read through the letters that Paul sent and look at the way he presented things to people. And if you think that's harsh, no, they, he was he was speaking through love to these people. Oh, and 100%. We need to be doing the exact same thing. Yeah. He was very very direct, very to the point in his letters, but it was it you can you can just see it comes from a place of love even forget exactly where it is. But he writes, you know, if I perform miracles, if I speak with the tongues of angels, if I do these things but I don't have love, eh, it's useless. And and First Corinthians chapter twelve. Thank you. Chapter. Oh yeah, thirteen. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> it's Good okay. job. I know it's there. I just sometimes forget the address. I'm awful. I'm awful. Yeah. That. We're we are working on it. We are getting <laughs> rooted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, cool. I, I wanted to go through just real quick, just a couple themes that you're going to see through the Book of Romans, and then we're going to dive into Chapter One, and just do a quick little uh, overview. So you're going to see uh, throughout Romans, you're going to see the gospel. the The Book of Romans is book ended with the gospel. It begins with the gospel. It ends with the gospel, and everything in between is how to respond to the gospel. So it's a huge theme throughout the entire book. Uh, you see our humanity and, and what our need is. So you see the depravity of humanity. You also see wh- why we need a Savior, and you see why we need grace. That's uh, a consistent theme throughout. Of course, when we talk about the gospel, we talk about Christ, and, and he gets specific about Christ and his work in our lives, and his work for salvation. Uh, so you see that theme throughout. You see um, the theme of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Romans, how the Spirit is our helper and, and is our sanctifier. You talk about it talks about God's word, talks about the truth of God's word and how important it is to be in God's word throughout the book of Romans. You talk about our mission, talks about our purpose as believers. We've talked about that on an episode, but our purpose uh, as believers and, and God's pe- and God's people. And also talks about God's love and God's power. One of my favorite passages in scripture, Romans eight, thirty eight and thirty nine, talks about you know, just the unfailingness of God's love. And how nothing can can separate us from that. And so I'm looking forward to getting into this book because there are so many amazing themes in here. Uh, there are going to be some times, just as a little caveat, we're going to step on some toes. We're going to step on our own toes, I think, too, at times. Although Carter did that to me a few seconds ago while you were talking. He just slammed on my foot. Just crunched on my foot. Just it, <laughs> highly unnecessary. Wow. But I know. I my shoes on and I do. It's true. So I mentioned earlier that I got this new Bible and it tells like... It gives a little brief uh, pre-summary of what you're about to read. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it just the first part says, Like a skilled lawyer presenting his case, Paul established a solid framework for understanding the broad scope of the gospel in his letter to the Romans. And so he's just presenting the case of Christianity to the Jews and Gentiles of Rome so that they can build that Christian community there that was highly needed. So Yeah. Well, it was cool because he, he's writing this letter to a church that he's never met before. I mean, we'll, we'll read it as we go through and we'll discuss it more, but he, you know, he wants to go meet these people. He wants to teach them. He wants to proclaim the gospel to them. And there is something preventing him from going. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So guys, let's dive in. Let's start with Romans one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. To the, all those in Rome who are loved by God and are and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That is verses one through seven. Just I wanna, just want to point out the grammar in uh, the Greek language. <laughs> yeah, just such a long sentence. It is. <laughs> First uh, six verses are one sentence. Just point that out there. Would that be considered a run on because. It, in our grammar standards, yes. Yeah. For us, it would I be considered a, a one. Right before five. I, I do not. I see. I have a comma. Oh, wow. 
Well, I got a period, so. Oh, well, your this Bible is, is NLT. Um, NLT. Your Bible is. Um, New, New Living? New Living, yeah. Yeah. Well, New Living has a period. ESV well, has a comma. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's beside that's... the point, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a period's a point. You don't have it. Got him. Ah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, you get that one. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read 8 through 15, and then we're going to do basically a brief overview of 1 through 15. Verse, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. Verse 10. Always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So going into verses one through seven, okay, it's it's his greeting, his tra- his traditional. As you read any letter that Paul sends, he he structures his letter. It's cool. He structures this letter, presenting it to whom he's sending it to, from who he's writing it from, and. Just his structure. I love how he presents it each time. And actually, one thing I like how at the ends he always put great or like may the God, God our Father give you grace and peace. And I actually so like in on iPhones you can change it to where it's our. I don't know if it's probably for every mail, but it's got like when you send an email, it'll have a pre-made thing like sincerely or whatever. So I just like changed it to grace and peace, comma Carter. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I just <laughs> use that a lot. So technology <clears throat> and. In verse one, you see the word Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, and, and I just want to kind of camp on that for just a second. The, the word he actually uses here is doulas, mm. and in in you have that tattooed on your wrist. I do have that tattooed on my wrist. In uh, in in Greek, there are many words for servant or bond servant. There, there are many words, and all of our English translations typically. Because the word slave has fallen into such ill repute, and, and for good reason, they change these words to servant or bondservant almost every time. This word specifically, doulas, is actually slave. And it is it is meant as slave, a slave to Christ. It is not meant as a servant. It is not meant as a... It is a strong word. Strong word, slave. So... You just look at doulos. Although in Greek culture, it is most often referred to the involuntary permanent service of a slave, Paul elevates this word by using it in its Hebrew sense to describe a servant who willingly commits himself to serve a master he loves and respects. Hmm. So he uses the term slave to be to be kind of harsh, to be kind of strong in that, but also to convey this idea that I am willingly a slave to Christ because I love him. I, he is my master. I respect him. I, I want to serve him. Yeah. So just when you see the word servant, see the word bond servant, always just replace the word in there with slave in your mind. And and just see that we are supposed to, we are called to be obedient at all costs and to serve God as if he is our master. He is he is our Lord. That's what Lord means. Lord means master. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power and according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So right there, it's talking about basically his right to reign both on earth and on heaven. So he's a descendant of David. At this time in Rome, the the nation of Israel is is it's not a nation. I mean, they're broken apart. They don't have a kingdom. 
But if they had a kingdom at that time, Jesus would have a right to the throne. He would have a right to that crown. But not only the earthly crown of Israel, but also the kingly crown. So, as was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness, by His resurrection, so by His death and His resurrection, He was proclaimed truly at that moment the Son of God. He had the right to, to be ruler and king over heaven as well. And Paul also alludes back to the prophets, and he, he wants to make sure that his readers understand that this Jesus that he is talking about in the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's the scripture that they had. So when, when you see the New Testament talking about scripture, it's talking about the Old Testament. And so he is appealing to the prophets and all the prophecies that, that pointed to Christ and in, in his work. And it's very important to understand that, too, that Paul wants them to know Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. Yeah. Well, even just the, I don't know if it'd be surface level, but the fact that they reference Old Testament all of the time, that should go to show you that the Old Testament is very important. It is not obsolete. It, we, we need not only preach from the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well, because they are one. The fact that they reference it all of the time, Paul is referencing the prophets, referencing all of the prophecies about Jesus. I mean, how many prophecies were about Jesus? 300 and, 300 and something prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. That's astronomical, literally astronomical. So yeah, keep that in mind. Old Testament, very important. So verse 5, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And I like that first part where it says he's given us the privilege and authority. So like, actually, it has privilege and it has a footnote saying that you can use or or grace. So God has given us the grace or privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles. So not only did he give us like the privilege to do it we have the authority from him straight or straight from christ to do that so that they will believe god or believe in him and obey him and then therefore just bringing glory to his name yeah well we have the opportunity we have the ability and we have the responsibility especially as we become believers you have that responsibility to do that because we're called to do that yeah and it is a privilege and it is grace it's it's both it's unmerited favor it is something that we didn't earn it is a privilege that we don't deserve, but we're given it. And, and it's, it's an amazing, like you said, Austin, an amazing responsibility to have. Yeah. It's like when you're a kid and you ask for a cupcake and your mom says, if you're good, and then you're not good, but you still get that cupcake. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great, yeah. We don't deserve the cupcake. We, we were bad. That never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you were perfect as a child, right? <clears throat> I never got the cupcake. What no, are you I talking about? <laughs> I had, my parents didn't like me enough to give me a cupcake. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she gives us reviews. She, she emails does. us. That is true. Her only email. Her only email. Please email us. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Verse 6. Including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, this is kind of where it pushes towards us, right? Where it is not just a book in the Bible, historically, Paul sending a letter to Rome. This was written for us as well. Verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Who's called to belong to Jesus Christ? Well, everyone, but we, we know few will answer. But as Christians, we have been called, and therefore, this book is written to us. Verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. We're called to be saints. So, this is applicable for us. Everything in this book, everything in this, Rome, the, the Romans letter, even just the book itself, it applies to us. It is not obsolete. It is not old. It is not a book of fairy tales. This is for us, for our instruction, for our teaching, for rebuking, for everything. So definitely keep that in mind. 
verses 8 through 15 is is basically just talking, uh, Paul was talking about his longing to go to Rome. He's talking about you know, things that are preventing him from going. So, I, I tell you, we'll, we'll get into it just a little bit, but yeah, we're, we're going to kind of skim through it. That way we can get into some, some of the major meat and potatoes. Uh, what do you got, Carter? Verse 8 says, Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. And like, we are supposed to pray for our friends and not, or not only pray for our friends and family, praise God for giving uh, them to us. Mm. So. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then verse <clears throat> verses 11 through 12, it's, he's talking, he wants to go for encouragement, not just for them, but for himself as well, that he, both of them, both the Roman church and himself would be encouraged through their mutual faith in Jesus. And remember, he's never met them before. So his longing, his longing to go and meet these people, he's heard about them. He wants to meet them. Verse 13, but thus four have been prevented. So Paul has tried many times to visit Rome, but either by the Lord's hand or attacks from Satan could not go any further. So he has this longing. He wants to meet these people. These people are the center of the world, basically. This is Rome. This is the capital of the known world. Okay, this is where everything is going on. And he wants to go to these people. He wants to enrich them. He wants to embolden them. He wants to feed them what he has so that they, they're equipped. They can stand in the evil day. So you look at verses 14 and 15. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And I really, I like the word barbarian there. I just, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I did a little research on that word and, and why he used that. And so it, when he talks about Greek, he's talking about literally anyone who, of all nationalities, who kind of embraced the Greek culture. They learned the language, they learned the lifestyle, they embraced what it meant to be a Greek individual. So he's talking to all nationalities that just have embraced Greek and in that language, specifically the language. It'd basically be like saying everyone a part of the USA. Americans. Yeah, Americans. exactly. Because there's so many different nationalities, but they're still Americans. Right. Because they've embraced the West and the culture and they've embraced, uh, you know, so assimilated. Right. That's important. Yeah. Anyway, so barbarians, uh, the Greeks actually, when, when they heard a different language, uh, and this is where the word barbarian comes from, the Greeks felt like they were hearing bar, 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 bar. Like it just it felt it was nonsense. And so they called called those who did not speak their language barbarians. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's pretty cool. So Paul is talking to those who have embraced the Greek culture and those who have not embraced the Greek culture. And that he is, he is called and he is charged with preaching to all of them. Including the people that go, bar, 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 bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So, real quick, we'll go, let's read uh, verse 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Is it, this is the thesis of the entire book of Romans. Exa yeah. <laughs> he is going to spend the, the rest of the book unpacking these two verses. Yeah, so for verse 16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Of that, he was eager to preach and share with Rome. Again, the capital of the world at the time. So, being the capital of the world, that's where paganism, secular, political, it was charged with all of these things. The gospel is where the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith. Okay? Well, look what all Paul has gone through, right? I mean... You know, just he was imprisoned. He was chased out of town. He was he was ridiculed, mocked, laughed, beaten, stoned, stoned, and yet 
even despite all of these things, he still wants to go to the center of power and preach the gospel. The center of Emperor Nero that, that Carter talked about. He wants to go to where he is physically living and still preach the gospel. It just shows how passionate he was for the gospel, and it makes you kind of think to yourself, am I that passionate for the gospel? Am I, am I willing to go to these hostile areas, whether that's here in the United States, whether that's abroad, there are hostile areas, and we've talked about this, everywhere that are places that are hostile, hostile to the gospel. I had TV on this morning just kind of for some noise while I was cleaning and getting ready and getting set up. And there are commercials that are just straight up, uh, what pronouns do you prefer hmm. in a job interview? Hmm. And it's like, it, that would be hostile to the gospel because that is anti-gospel, anti-Christianity. The culture, everything in the United States right now is, is contrary to the gospel. Are we bold enough to stand up for that? Yeah. Like Paul. Because like we will get, may not get stoned, but... <laughs> We get laughed at, get chased out of work, chased out of places of business. Go into Facebook jail. Go to Facebook jail. There you go. We're going over the, what was that, 18 through yeah. 32? The rest. Yeah. 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 We're getting into that. That's some good stuff right uh-huh. there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this is like straight up saying, don't be gay. Yeah. Hey, we're about to get into yeah. some That's happening. Uh, major gay stuff. Gay Pride Month. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Well. So, do Good transition. Or Let's do you wanna, it. You want to read it all? Me out? No. Wait. What? Oh, <laughs> I gotta cut that out. I thought no, you... no. 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 I said that's <laughs> a, a great transition. Like, let's get into the next. Heck no. Cut that out. No, I think that <laughs> that was good. That was actually awesome. That was, that was fantastic. We'll cut out me saying cut out. Okay, there we go. I'll do that. <laughs> no more cut out. <laughs> but make sure you cut that. Okay, <laughs> make sure you cut that out. Okay. The, cut it out, man. Literally, cut it out. Okay. Great transition to the next section here. I'm going to read verses 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Does that sound familiar, guys? You for, read read that again. Yeah. <laughs> read that again. Listen. Listen, listen to, this. to this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Uh, right there, I... Honestly, I don't even think we have to dig any deeper than that. For for me, that is plain and simple, yeah. right there. I mean, you could you could spend a week yeah. on that verse. Yeah, and that's like the de- deconstructing you were talking about, like picking out what they wanted to hear and the other start that the other stuff that convicted them or told them what not to do. They're like, no, we don't need that. Yeah, and they suppress the truth. Verse nineteen: For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. So we're digging in, wow, in yeah. yeah, so that little section there is all about general revelation. It's all about the fact that God is revealed through his creation. God is revealed through just even even our own creation. You know, really terrible, cheesy song. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Do you remember that song? It's an oh, old, like, 90s Christian yeah. song. Just not my favorite. <laughs> but... There's a gotcha. We all are longing to worship something. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to worship something. That, that's why you have addictions. That's why that's why addictions are so prevalent. Drug addiction, porn, pornography addiction, addiction to anything, television, addiction to sex, addiction to all these things that they're trying to fill this void that we are all born with because we all have a sense of the creator in in us. It's just a matter of if we understand who that creator is and, yeah. and what we're call, how we're called to live in response to that creator. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, v- verse 18 through 20, it's, Whatever can be known about God is plain to them. God has shown them. Verse 20, Everything from the beginning of the world has been clearly seen, and everything that has been made, they are without excuse. I want to focus on that real quick. Mm-hmm. They are without excuse. So uh, a couple excerpts from John MacArthur. 
even those who have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel have received a clear witness about the existence and character of God. If they suppressed it, they are without excuse. So, this is mentioning, say, people on an island, natives who have never heard the gospel. That that question of, well, if these people have never had the opportunity for hearing the gospel, do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? Well, this is where it's saying that God has given them opportunities. He has allowed them the revelation, yeah, the revelation of seeing him in absolutely everything. So, another excerpt from MacArthur. If a person will respond to the revelation that he has, even if it is solely natural revelation, God will provide some means for that person to hear the gospel. A couple examples of that, you can look up Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 39, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, and Acts chapter 17, verse 27. That'll give you a couple examples of that. So basically that's, okay, say you have this, there's actually a story about that. There was this this native tribe, I don't think, I think it might have been in the Amazon or something like that. They made a movie out of it, but it's a true story where this guy flew his plane to them. He, he landed with a couple of guys and this native tribe took him and they killed him. Well, fast forward several years, I think it was his son or like his family came to those, to basically that same tribe. And eventually the whole tribe became saved and they talked about how I, we killed your your dad. We killed these these guys. But basically, it was because those guys came, God presented a way for these people to be saved. And I, some sometimes it's really hard in the matter. God sends a missionary. You know, these basically, all right, so if a person will respond to the revelation that he has, even if it is solely natural revelation. Basically... Yeah, there there has to be a God. Yeah, they're realizing that they're missing something. Yeah. They want something else. God will give a way for them to hear the gospel. If they never come to that revelation, then more than likely, yeah, they they won't receive the gospel because they haven't inclined to that natural revelation. So, verse twenty one through twenty three is basically God versus worldly science. So scientists, replacing God with, say, celebrities, pets, creation itself, Uh, claiming, verse 22, claiming to be wise, they become fools, and exchange the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is where they are replacing God with everything. And we see that today. Your phones, your technology, TV, Things that have nothing to do with God. So yeah, it's that that mentality of replacing God with things. Verse 22, or verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. For me, that's, that's number one science. Scientists replacing the God aspect with their own inclinations, their own examples. Trying to find a way to make God useless, right? To say, we did, God was not needed for, for these things. Science did it. Science is our God. Science is our ultimate answer to all the questions in life. You absolutely see that. And if you question some of these people, you question science. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It's God gave us science. Absolutely. That, that natural revelation that is science. That is the true structure of the world. And, and God is a God of order. And science is order. It should be order. Should be order. Unless we're talking about chaos theory, but that's a different thing. Or the guy that rhymes with ouchie. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in because I made you choke. Yeah, I like that's that. good. <clears throat> so going further, let's read verse 24 through 32. For those of you that have children listening, heads up, we're going to get into some pretty deep things. Um, So, yeah, just kind of a heads up. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Verse 28, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So basically, looking at verse 18 through 23, because of 18 through 23, therefore, and again it says in 24, therefore, sinful desires of the heart. Okay? So Paul goes in in this section and just it is a just a a downward spiral of humanity in this in this in this section here and he lays out very clearly just how depraved our hearts become when we when we are not living through Christ when when we're not seeking to honor God in our in our lives and in our actions and so it, he it shows the the bottomless pit our hearts are I mean, let's be honest, because, you know, we've talked about, at least I have, or maybe on this show, I don't know, but we've <laughs> talked about the depravity of man, where there is not a single part of me not touched by sin, and that without God and without Christ, there there is no telling what I'm capable of. I mean, there's a reason why in, in the Old Testament there are verses dedicated to what not to do with your animals, because our hearts know no bounds. Our, the evil in our hearts knows no bounds. Literally, your heart is evil. It's wicked. We talked about in our interview with John, uh, I brought it up how, you know, the old Disney movies, it was always follow your heart. Or even now, the Disney movies now, it's follow your heart. It's like, no, do not follow your heart because your heart will lead you to the pit of hell. Yep. Do not do that. It, so I have, I have another quote here from John MacArthur. But this shows the downward spiral of the wrath of abandonment in the life of men when God abandons him. This is at the point where men have been saying for years, we don't want you, we don't want you, we want you out of our schools, we want you out of our our legislation, we want you out of our state, all the way up to our national level, we don't want you in our homes. This is at the moment where God says, okay. And this isn't him doing this to us. This is him backing up saying, you wanted this. Yeah. So here it is. Do what and, you want. Yeah. So sinful desires of the heart. What are some of those? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Those are just a, a couple of them. There are many, many more. And we read them later on in the chapter. It's just talking about the lust of their heart. You know, verse 24, the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So, what is that? That's that's pornography. That's sleeping with one another either than your spouse. Dressing inappropriately, dishonoring your own body in front of other people, among everyone. And that, again, that's just a couple. That's a couple examples. And I think it's important in verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a, for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And we talked about that a few seconds ago where we're worshiping science. Yeah. But also, we worship our own bodies. We worship ourselves. Yeah. We worship the technology that we have. We worship 
sports figures and, and, and public figures and politicians and, you know, I not to get super political, you know, I, I, I was a Trump supporter, am still a Trump supporter. However, he is not my end-all, be-all. Yep. And so we did see on on our side of, of the aisle, we saw a worship of Trump. A People in my own family, I think, a couple people in my family that were just so enamored with him. It's like, okay, yes, I liked him. Yes, I liked some of the things he did, but he is not my end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. He is not, and when he did something wrong or said something wrong, you have to call that out and say, this is not, it's not great. We see that on the other side of the aisle as well. We see it everywhere. We see it all through our daily lives, this worship of other things and other people besides God. Again, trying to fill that hole. But when God steps away and says, you know what? You all asked for this. You, you This is on you. That's what we do. Yeah. We, we seek something to worship, and it's usually nothing good. <laughs> nothing good. And that's it. It's worshiping anything besides God. It's putting anything above God. And looking at that at, you know, basically front hand, it's... Well, no, I don't worship anything. You know, like Old Testament-wise, I don't create an image and worship that image. Well, no, that's that's not how we do it nowadays. We Again, your phone. Are you replacing your phone with time in Scripture, with prayer? Are you replacing watching the game on TV versus reading in Scripture? Are you repl- I mean, okay, even the church. A church can be an idol. Mm-hmm. Are you in the church too much to where it is consuming your time to where you are not truly giving God what you need to be, and even family. Are you putting too much, and I'm not saying too much in your family, but putting your family above God, that is important. Yeah, absolutely. And then jumping ahead to verses 26 and 27, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other so that's just verse 26 it literally says the natural way and then i'll go to 27 and the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved and so like i know we're in june which is pride month but like it is very clearly stated and straight to the point that that it literally says as a result of this sin. So like it doesn't say like it's looked up looked bad upon. It is full full flat out a sin, and they were punished for it. And, and when given over to our own desires, and when God when when we turn our back and abandon God, and when God God steps away from us, again there is no limit to our depravity. There's no limit to what we will do, and and. I think it's very striking that Paul, in the midst of this list, in the midst of these things that he is calling out as depraved behavior, he does mention homosexuality. Yeah. And it's it's uncomfortable, in, in our day and age at least, to discuss this, but let's we'll do prob- it. we'll probably be canceled. Let's do it for a second. And I think the most annoying argument or point of argument that I hear from other from Christians that support people that are gay is God would love them too. And it's like, yes, he would, but he's not, or like, you should love them like God would. It's like, yes, but he's not going to support, or we shouldn't support that lifestyle. Like, that's like saying, oh, he's a murderer, but God's going to love him. So let's just let him keep murdering people. And like, you can clearly see that's wrong, but that's the same thing as letting them continue to do what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and it's that equating God's love to human love. Instead of doing the opposite, we should be equating God's love to human love, agape love. True love is pointing out the wrongs that your brother and sister are doing, what the unbeliever are doing, and saying, look, what you're doing is wrong, but this is the way that you can come back from that. Well, and I think we all, I would assume all three of us have interactions with, know, or or even friends with those who are gay and those who have practiced that lifestyle. I have a couple in my life that that I truly enjoy their company. I, I think they're great people. They also know where I stand. <laughs> they also know what I believe. But that doesn't change our dynamic. That, that doesn't mean I don't love them as human beings as Christ loves us. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna and I'm gonna shun them. I'm gonna you know throw them out. I'm gonna do this. But they also understand where where I where I stand on my beliefs. And that that is. 
a couple of things on this before we get off into too big of a tangent on this, but that's where the church has failed some. Mm-hmm. Okay, the church has at times been way too harsh mm-hmm. when it comes to the treatment of the individual people. Not the treatment of the sin, not the treatment of the lifestyle, but the individual people. We have to show love. We have to speak the truth in love. In love. That That is the top priority. Because when we don't, a couple things happen, of course. One, it drives them away completely, and they're just like, Man, I don't want to be around these people. Yeah. Right? Also, it, it does tarnish our reputation. It tarnish which we, which we do a great job of doing, by the way, as a church, <laughs> as believers. But it tarnishes our reputation. I mean, there is a reason why we have the reputation of being homophobic. Because at times we have been as a church, general big church, big C church. But we have to balance that with truth. And so we have to say unequivocally, this lifestyle is not of God. This is not a natural lifestyle. This is not a lifestyle that a true converted believer can engage in. Can't happen. Right. Unrepentant sin means there's a problem. And if you are consistently living in that sin, whether that's a heterosexual outside of marriage relationship or a homosexual relationship, there has to be a lifestyle change. So again, we condemn the action and the lifestyle like we condemn the murder, like we condemn abortion, like we condemn theft and lies and gossip and bigotry. But we love the human being. We still say, yes. look, you are a child. You are created in God's image. I love you as an yeah. image bearer. But again, there's still that truth that we have to contend with. And, and we still have to share. And that's it. It's, it's presenting the truth in a loving manner. And yeah, you can't go out hitting them over the head with the Bible saying you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> that is not speaking in love. You need to be presenting it in a different way. Now, is it true? All those who do not confess and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and repent of their sins, that that's the truth. That is what's going to happen. But it's not just because of them. It, again, it's that sin. And it, it's interesting, too, I want to point out that it talks about both. It talks about mm-hmm. homosexuality with women and men. So, this is talking about both. One of, one of the biggest arguments... And I've even seen it in the church. It They're like, oh, well, you got to look at the context. You got to look at, at the time in Rome. Men were having sex with young boys. This is talking about young boys. This isn't talking about men and other men. I'm, no. Verse 27, <laughs> it literally says, men likewise have given up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men and men. Another argument is, oh, well, homosexuality, the Bible is just talking about men and men. It's not talking about women and women. No. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for these that are contrary to nature. It is talking about women and women. It's talking about men and men. Both are wrong. And in the eyes of God, it is sinful. But again, it's not the people, it's the sin. We address the sin, we don't address the people. And like, again, what we were talking about, what you were getting fired up about, they just deconstruct it and take out that because they don't like it. And they're like, well, doesn't say to mine. Well, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Depending on which Bible you have. Yeah. Or just which verses you read. I'll I'll read I'll read John because it's about Jesus, but I'm not going to read Romans because then I have to change. (laughs) Don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so the, the end of verse 27 Shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. All right, this is this is talking about disease. This is talking about a a big one of today, AIDS. Um, this comes from having sex with a man and a man. This is this is an abomination to God. This and and for that they receive in themselves the due penalty for their error. God allows that to happen because of their perversion of this natural thing that God gave us. Yeah. This natural thing that was meant to be special for a man and a wife. You know, something that annoys me earlier, you said how people are like, no, we don't want, you can't talk about God in school, can't talk about him anywhere. But they give this week, like the whole month of June is dedicated to this. And it's fully shoved down your throat the entire month. Well. Yeah, and you have that commercial I was talking about, mm-hmm. and then you have Nickelodeon <laughs> that is uh, had on Blue's Clues, and then on another preschool-age show, 
a trans woman, so a man dressed as a woman, singing about Pride Month, singing about the gay pride flag, they are indoctrinating our children. Mm-hmm. And you're and right. Like, but we can't talk about God. You <laughs> can't even like mention his name or that's, no, you're being mean right now. Like, and every company's changing their profile pictures to like the flag and yep. the, that's like not even the true meaning of the rainbow. And it's just annoying how, and just terrible how switched it's become. Yeah. Oh boy, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. Like we can just, we I can go, we can go full Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro on this one. Oh, like, let's just jump right in. <laughs> no. Um. So let's let we're we're getting a little short on time here for yeah. this episode. So let let's jump in and finish the last few verses here, um, and then we're gonna be done for the day and come back on Thursday. Sweet. So, verse twenty eight. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. So, for me, there there is an article that I just read. It, it blew my mind. Okay experimentation that is legal. That means it is okay to do. As of April, there was something that happened. The, there was a bill that was pre- pre- presented and it passed, or it did not pass. It was 49 to 48. Experimentation that is legal for human and animal hybrid embryos. Okay, what does that mean? That is mixing human DNA with animal DNA. In April of this year, Live Action News reported that scientists created embryos that are a combination of human and monkey cells for the first time. The results of that research have been published in the journal Cell. If you guys want to look up the the results, I didn't because I don't want to know. This, for me, when I read verse 28, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. That, that is forefront. They are mixing human embryos with animal embryos. Are you kidding me? And in the, in the article are called chimeras. Okay. In, in Greek mythology, chimeras were a, a, a mixture of human and an animal. So like part human, part scorpion, part human, part lizard, just fairy tale stuff, right? No, yeah. they're actually trying to do that. Well, lizard people are real. lizard lizard people. Are real. Totally kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. If but we, no, <laughs> it that that right there, it just it it makes it, it doesn't surprise me. No, because no. when you can when you can as a nation and you can as 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 a race or as a human race say that it is okay to kill an unborn child in the womb, there is again no limits. There 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 is nothing that is beyond our scope. There is nothing that, because that right there shows that we do not value the sanctity of life. We don't value this idea that we are created in the image of God, that every single human being is created in God's image, including the unborn. So when we can just slaughter them in the womb without any consequence, of course it stands to reason that we're going to try to do these things. Well, yeah, he's given us up to a debased mind. So, because remember it's their body, their choice, but then throw the mask on, get vaccinated. Yeah. Boy, it's not their choice anymore. <laughs> this is good. This is good. I'm okay. getting fired up. Blood pressure's going up. Let's go. All right. <laughs> so verse 29 through 31. Uh, I'll read it real quick just to give an overview. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is disobeying of all authority. God, the Constitution, police. I mean, we have seen that within the past year and a half, year and a half. The complete throwing out the police saying they have no authority anymore. Literally, you have cities getting rid of their police force saying we don't want them. <laughs> the Constitution we have our own government going against what our constitution, the law of the land, is saying. And just the fa- uh, giving up to a debased mind. Why? Because not we, them, because it's not we, they have been trying to get rid of God in absolutely every- everything. And we've seen that. Our schools, our, our s- local, state, and federal government 
everywhere they have been getting rid of God. So it makes sense. Again, it just goes back to when there's no no value placed on the human life. Nothing is out of bounds at that point. You're right. They have been trying to get rid of God in all all the public circles, all the public squares. You have a, a one of the you know national conventions this last election cycle booing God, literally booing yep. God. Yep, I saw that. It was mentioned on stage, and the entire debased mind debate i would say congregation because really it's a religion for these people it is boot and and it's it shouldn't surprise us and like i've said and like the reason why we started this show we need to start being ready for this because it is it is a freight train barreling down on us and it is not stopping yeah yeah we've had it easy in america we have the freedoms but those are probably soon to go it's coming it is. Yep. Yeah. So verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. All right. So here's going to step on toes right here. What is this talking about? This is talking about open and affirming churches, churches of mm-hmm. the worldly lifestyle, churches that don't stand up against such evil. For, so for those that the churches that are opening and affirming, that means they're okay with this. They're okay with homosexuality. They're okay with having a gay pastor come in and preach their congregation. This is also talking about the churches that don't have that, but they are not speaking out against it. It says, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And we, we've been seeing that, especially this past year. All these churches that are coming out with all this CRT stuff that are allowing this to come into their church and just wreck it. It breaks my well, heart. It, it, this verse is, it's active and open rebellion. I know what's right and wrong. And I th- we've talked about this. We're born with a, sen- a general sense of morality. And yet we just re- completely rebel. Yeah, yeah Exactly. So, to kind of wrap this up with something a little bit nicer, something to give us some hope, right? Because we were just talking about all of this evil, awful things. So, I want to look at 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. This is talking about when Solomon is creating the temple, right? After the creation of the temple. This is God speaking. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This, I am, we are speaking to the church. Okay. I'm not, I'm not speaking to the unbeliever. This, it, it says to his people. His people are the ones that have accepted him who are following him. His children. We need to look you get we all we all need to look at what we've been doing and we need to repent and we need to pray. We need to pray as a congregation, as in the congregation of the church, big C church. We need to be praying for healing. We need to be praying for our leaders people in office. We need to be praying for our pastors. We need to be praying for local churches, churches that are around us. We need to be praying and on our knees, not just, you know, driving to work, you do your normal prayer, you come to home, you do your normal prayer. No, make specific time. You get on your knees, go out in your yard, dig a hole, shove your nose in the dirt kind of prayer. I mean, literal, you guys need, we need to be humbling ourselves before the Lord saying, our nation is wrecked. And the only possible way that it has any chance is you. I mean, you are the chance. So we need to be doing that. And not being ashamed if people see you. Yeah. Because like people are like, well, I don't want them to see me praying right now. Well, what, what did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the word of God. And if anybody had a reason to be afraid or leery of of preaching the gospel it, it was paul yeah right like he, he he was in jail he was in jail yeah he wrote most of his 
letters in prison. So, Carter, do you have homework for us this week? I do. Hey. Awesome. Um, so this one is not really homework. It's just a chart that I saw that, uh, Brad, I'm going to have you put in the, you can't see the chart, but I'll put, I'll say the title and Brad will put it in there. It just search Chuck Swindle's chart of Romans. And then for the homework. So again, repeat that one more time. Chuck Swindle's chart of Romans. Chart of Romans. Okay. And then each week when we do one chapter, it is going to be. Like, your set homework is to read that chapter, obviously. I'm not going to really mention that every week, but that's going to be part of it. And then I'll have questions based on that. Using this chapter, I have another self-reflection. Does your day-to-day life mirror the beliefs you hold, or do you find yourselves in a constant battle of hypocrisy? Hmm. You know, we've been stepping on toes a lot today. (laughs) I think we broke some toes. (laughs) Maybe so. Well, we're coming to you with love. We have some splints. For sure. For sure. But... This is important things. These are very important. They got to be broken. Yeah. Well, guys, th- thanks for this conversation. I think it was very beneficial. I think it was very informative. Um, I'm even more excited about Romans now that after we've got this this first chapter under our belt. So, if you like what we're doing, if you support what we're doing, even if you don't necessarily agree with everything we say, please give us a five star review on Apple. Please email us. Email us. Uh, find us on our website, Instagram, Facebook. Um, well, e- even if you don't want to email, that's fine. If you think it's an old person thing, text we're me. old. Te- text us if you ever know. If you ever know, I'm not giving it out. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm Facebook. On go on, on Facebook. Website. Go on Instagram. Oh, message us on those. We we will comment. We will do things off of that as well. We can do that. Yep. And then uh, join. Uh, subscribe to us on the podcast apps that you use. Leave us a five star review on Apple. And if you do want to support us financially, we have some ideas and some plans. Jump on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rooted in Logos. Uh, we would greatly appreciate uh, your support, and it will be put to use, I promise. It won't just be uh, used for our own personal gain. It, we will we will use this for ministry. If there's ever anything you want to say to just one of us specifically, you don't want all three of us to see it, we do have those individual Brad at Rooted in Logos or Austin at or Carter. So if it's a thing that you just want one of us to see, you can do that. Yep, you can do that through our website. So... Well, guys, again, thank you. This was great. Um, We will be back on Thursday. So in the meantime, stay rooted in the word. Stay rooted in Logos. We will see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rooted in Logos.